Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Well, good morning. My name is Ty Davis, and I'm the Director of Operations and Expansion here at TCC. And I'm so glad that I get the opportunity to preach to you this morning. Um, I have loved this series. Welcome to the team so much. What about you guys? Have you guys loved this series? Are you guys appreciative of what God is doing in and through the teaching team and the wisdom that's being provided? Can we just not take a moment and give God a hand for what, the way he's leading TCC still through his transition? This has been such a great series for me personally. Um, Pastor Steve kicked the series off with a bang like a sprinter right out of the blocks. I mean, uh, there's going to be plenty of sports phrases in this series, okay? Uh, I mean, but he really brought it with the us factor. That was so good to hear for me. And at the same time, just such a great reminder of who we are at TCC. We are a we. Amen? We are a we. No matter what campus you go to, whether you're related to the person sitting next to you or not, or if you've been here a week or three decades, it doesn't matter. We are a team. Shane did a fantastic job last Sunday teaching us all about what real unity looks like in the church. He taught us about all of the different things that are worth unifying over, and he showed us the things in our lives that are not worth separating over in the North American church. I left that service feeling like I had two black eyes. I really kid you not, I mean grace and truth, like pow, right in the face, right? How many of you guys felt the same way leaving church last Sunday, right? I mean, this was a a great, great message. But I also felt so proud to be a part of this community, to really take a look around and know that you have my back and we certainly have yours. It was a great, great message. This Sunday, it's only right that we would spend a little bit of time talking about one of the most important roles on a team, all right? The team mom. So it's Mother's Day, and we want to take some time to really show our appreciation to the moms in our lives. And I think moms are more than just ones who have a child. They're the women in our lives who took the time to really teach us about Jesus, to to train us up to be a reflection of Him, and held us accountable when we stepped off of the path. So whether you're a mom or you're hoping to be a mom one day, we want you to know that you are making an impact on the young ones around you, and we're super thankful for that. So we're in this series called Welcome to the Team, and that's like right up my alley because I'm a huge sports fan. I'm a big-time sports guy. I grew up playing sports, and for me and my family, being good at sports is how you got love and acceptance from the family, okay? That's literally how our family operated. If you were good at sports, I kid you not, I never felt so close to my dad, my mom, my my grandparents, and after I played well in a game, okay? Is that not sick and twisted or what? I mean, do you know what that does to a kid? Just look at me, right? I mean, I'm kidding. I loved how I was raised. I I loved the environment that I grew up up in. I loved the fact that we were a competitive and, and an active family. I learned so much about hard work and determination. I learned about how to work with others, how to be coachable, and how to take criticism to grow. I learned how to be a teammate and how to lead my team. But one thing that I distinctly remember from playing in all those little league and all all those AYSO teams was having a team mom. You guys remember having team moms? I'm, I'm sure some of you guys have been or are team moms right now, but... Team moms are amazing. I mean, when you, when you take a step back and you really look at what team moms 
do. I'm looking at looking in the room. I'm seeing some coaches in here that I know because I've I've either played against you or you've coached me, and I I know you've had team team moms for you, and so you're you're starting to click too. But team moms, they really are one of a kind. They knew everything that you needed to know. They handled all the communication back and forth from the coaches to the parents. They were the team's number one fan. Whenever there was drama, they shifted away from the negative and they would always put it back on the positives, always where it should have been in the first place, about the wins. I mean, I mean the kids. It was about the kids, right? I mean, they always seemed to have an extra belt, an extra sock, or a hair bow. I mean, they were like Mr. Gadget, but on steroids and a woman. It was the craziest thing to see. And as I took a moment and I, I looked back on it, there's one thing that, that stuck out to me. They were moms of their own kids, too. They were doing all of these things, and yet they still had their own family at home. So they took on all this extra responsibility, and they helped out all these other moms, and they helped the team, but they didn't let their own kids fall away or feel neglected. Not at all. And it reminded me of all the things that my mom did for us while she was raising me and my siblings. She was our mom, and she did what moms do for their kids, but she also served her church. She taught classes at the church. She went on mission trips. She did anything that the church needed, and she did everything that she could, and she was still a great mom to me. And when I thought about it, I mean, I I really thought about it. I was blown away. And there are so many women in this room right now that I, I worry that we may have taken for granted. And I think when we really look at it, the reality is, and guys, let's just, let's be honest, okay? Let's deflate the chest a little bit. Let's be real. Most of us men could not do what the women of our church have done and are doing today, both for our households, our kids, and for our church. Amen? You better say amen. You're sitting right next to her. And I think a big reason for that is because of what God has called you and designed you ladies to do. And so I want to walk through seven, which is kind of cool. It's a Great coincidence, since that's the biblical number of perfection, and we all know our moms are perfect, right? So, seven things that Christian team moms are called to and designed to do found in God, God's Word. So, the first one is availability. Now, I'm not talking about always having your phone on so that your kids can call you and they can ask for a ride, or so your husband can call you and say, hey, I want you to stop at this fast food restaurant and grab me food. What we're talking about here is Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, and it says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Basically, be available to the kids entrusted to your care morning, noon, and night, no matter where you are, in order to see to it that they are following the commands of the Lord. I'm so thankful for the volunteers we have in Reaching Higher, especially the ladies who are basically moms to some of our young students. They exemplify this passage. They exemplify this idea so well. No matter the reason for the call, no matter when the call comes in, they all do as much as they can. They're a phone call away. And they are always, always, always pointing the conversation back to Christ. Pointing the kid back to the mission that Jesus has put put us on. Whether the call comes in because they're out of gas or they don't have food in the pantry... They always meet the need, but then they always go back to, hey, I just want you to know that you're loved, you're loved by God, and God has a plan for you, and and I'm just so thankful for you, right? They're available, and I think that we do a good job at that as well. But the second one is involvement. 
involvement. Now, I'm not talking about being the team mom for every sport that your kid plays in or being the hover parent for your, your clubs or their, their school, their, their church group. Ephesians 6.4 says this, Parents, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Discipline and instruction. This is teaching us to interact, to discuss, to think through, and to process life together with the kids, your kids, and the kids that are entrusted to your care. I want you to look at how involved Jesus was. Just think about it. Think about how involved Jesus was with his disciples. He instructed his disciples. He, he processed life with them. And they didn't always get it. They made some bonehead mistakes that just made Jesus kind of do the face palm thing, right? Like, what are you guys doing here? I've been doing life with you. I've been walking through these things with you. But because he was involved with them and involved in their situations that they were in, with grace and truth, he could correct them. He could build them back up and continue to do life with them. He was involved. And Jesus wants you moms to be involved. And he's designed you to do so and given you the authority to provide discipline and instruction. Those are the things only possible if you're involved. Have you ever had someone try to give you discipline and instruction who's not involved in your life? How did that go? Based on my own experiences, I would say probably not as well as someone that actually is involved in your life. You usually tend to take those people a little more seriously. You take them to heart. Why? Because they've been involved in your life. They know you. They care about you. You can tell where this is coming from. And so if we're going to have those two things take place in our children and in the children that are entrusted to our care, then we have to be involved. And that's something that that God is setting forth, setting up for you and telling you that's okay. You, You can do that. The third one is teaching. Now, all moms are called to be teachers, and not necessarily in the classroom sense, but a life teacher. So I took some time to think about all the things that my mom has taught me over my life. My mom taught me all about reasoning, okay? She used to always ask me, if your friends jumped off of a bridge, would you do it too? Reasoning, right? My mom taught me the intricacies of how the human body works. She would say, if you keep making that face, it's going to get stuck that way. I didn't know that. Never learned that in high school. Never learned that in college. Your mom knows, though. My mom taught me about genetics. She would always say, you're just like your dad. My mom taught me about the anxieties of anticipation. And, and this one just makes, me, just makes me shake as I think about it. She would say, just wait till your dad comes home. <laughs> Better yet, you can, you can go ahead and go grab the belt of your choosing now. You talk about anxiety and anticipation and what that is, wow. My mom taught me about justice. She would say, one day you're going to have kids and they're going to grow up just like you. Then you'll see what it's like. Last but certainly not least, she taught me a biblical worldview. Psalm 78, 5 through 6 says, He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so that the next generation might know them. Even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. Deuteronomy 4.10 says, Never forget the day when you stood before the Lord your God at Mount Sinai, where he told me, Summon the people before me, and I will personally instruct them. Then they will learn to fear me as long as they live, and they will teach their children to fear me also. It's our job as parents to use the word of God as a foundation for our kids. To pass on the word in a way that only you can do for your kid. 
to share how God has entered into your life and led you so that it becomes more than just knowing the Word of God, but it becomes a firsthand example for them of how to be doers of the Word. This leads me to my next point. Number four, you are called to help a child develop their skills, discover their strengths, and lean into their spiritual gifts. Training. You're called to train up your kids. Proverbs 22.6 says, direct your kids on the right path, and when they grow old, they will not leave it. And I'm so thankful for, uh, to my mom for taking the time to really help us kids discern our skills and our strengths, but then to teach us how to use those skills and strengths to serve the Lord. My mom was very, very adamant about this. She took the time to challenge us to seek out our spiritual gifts, and then she used people who were important in our lives spiritually to affirm them, And help us find ways where we could put our gifts to work for the local church and for the kingdom. Super appreciative of that. And I see that so often here with ladies who are doing this with their own children. And and doing it through children's ministry. And they're doing it through reaching higher with other kids. We're, We're training up our youth to be kingdom workers. And they're making a difference at such a young age right now in the community with their peers. And I think that that's something that we could be excited about here at TCC. That's something that we should really, really take to heart. Because we're, we're obviously doing something right. Our kids get it, right? I was watching the other day on a Wednesday night and second to last Wednesday night, right? And the, the Barney song came on. If you haven't been coming to Wednesday night, you, you're missing out, I'm telling you. We got Barney songs and everything, right? But the cleanup song came on, right? And, and we've, we've basically programmed our, our kids. We've programmed everybody on a Wednesday night. When you hear that song, it's like Pavlov's Dog Theory, right? When you hear the bell, you have that, right? So when they hear that song or they see Barney on the screen, we just, want, we just clean up. Well, the kids jump to it. And one of the coolest things that I saw was one of our little TCC girls, right, showing one of our kids from the community how you break down a table, right? And she is, like, barely taller than the table. She reaches up, grabs the table, yanks it down, right, kicks the thing in, and she goes, look at that. You move this thing, and then you kick it, boom, right, and slam it, and then you carry it, right? That's amazing. We're teaching other kids. Our kids are teaching other kids, hey, this is what we do here. We serve. We clean up right? And we don't just tell you, hey, you, you don't know how to do it. Just let me do it. Just get out of the way. No, they, they were bringing each other along. That, that, this is something that we should, be, this, we should be happy about this, right? This is a good thing. The fifth, and, fifth one is discipline. You're called to teach the fear of the Lord, to draw the line consistently for the kids, but to do it in a loving and firm way. And so we're going we're gonna to go through quite a bit of scripture here, and I know you guys don't mind that, but Hebrews 12, 5, 11 says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its parent? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly parents who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly parents disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. You should take note of that. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Notice it doesn't just mean for those receiving the discipline. 
doesn't say that. It doesn't just mean that for if you're the one that's being disciplined, that it's not, it's, it's not fun, that it's painful. If you've ever had to discipline your child or a family member or a, or a staff member, you know how uncomfortable it is. It's not fun. But there will be a peace of right living afterwards. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Proverbs 19, 18 says, Discipline your kids while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin your, their lives. Proverbs twenty two fifteen: a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but will ruin their lives. Other, or, yeah, sorry, other words, uh, foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it away. Sorry. Proverbs 23, 13 through 14 says, don't fail to discipline your, ch- your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. Physical discipline may well save their lives. And then the last one, Proverbs 29, 15 through 17, to discipline a child produces wisdom. But, in, uh, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. When the wicked are in authority, sin flourishes. But the godly will live to see their downfall. Discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. So you see that? That's a lot of guidance to us on discipline. And physical discipline at that. So I think it's telling you to beat your kid. <laughs> I'm joking. But seriously, we see it all the time in society today. I see it through reaching higher and, and student ministry. Parents today, for whatever reason, trying so hard to be their child's friend that the biblical design for parent and child and how discipline is meant to work is being missed. And I think we've all witnessed what that does to kids who don't know what biblical discipline is. Oftentimes in today's culture, we see parents shirking their responsibility off to the school system, to, to law enforcement, to youth professionals, even youth pastors, yikes, to do the discipline. One time, uh, my dad, the police officer he, officer, he was called to a house. Um, he was a school resource officer at the time, and there was a kid who had a ton of truancy going on and uh, lived in a single-parent home. And so the principal said, hey, you know what? Um, the mom's calling. She needs help getting the kid out of bed. Just, he just won't listen. He just, just doesn't want to go to school. And uh, it had been enough times where the principal said, hey, you know what, Todd? Go ahead and, and go over there, too, and check this out. So my dad gets to the house and, and meets the mom, you know, little, little mom, and uh, says, hey, what's going on? Well, my kid won't get out of bed. Okay, well, take me, take me to the room and show me this kid that won't get out of bed, right? So they walk into the room, and sure enough, there's the kid sleeping, right? And he said, show me what you did. Try to get him out of bed. And she says, hey, honey, you, you need to get out of bed. You need, it's time for school, right? And he kicks her and pushes her away and says, I'm staying in bed today. I'm not getting up. And he said, um, you need to tell him, not ask him, tell him to get out of bed that you're the parent and he needs to go to school. And so she tries it again, right? And the kid does the same thing. And he says, you know what you need to do? You need to spank him. And she looked at him like, what? What did you just say? I can't, I can't do that. And he goes, well, why not, right? She goes, well, that, that, would be, that would be like abuse. That would be like, I could go to jail for that. And he looks at her and goes, points to his badge. And I'm right here. I don't, I'm not going to take you to jail for disciplining your kid. Done in the right way, this could be a good thing, right? And she goes, I just... I just can't do that. And so he says, you know what? Then I'm going to step in and show you how to do this, right? And so he tells the guy, tells the, little, the, the boy, hey, um, if you don't get out of bed right now, I'm going to handle the situation like I used to handle it with my kids when they wouldn't get out of bed on a Saturday morning, okay? And yeah, 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 I'm not getting out of bed. Okay. And he walks over, and dads, what does he do? He grabs the mattress, flips the mattress. Yeah, somebody said, yeah, already. See, somebody was raised in a house similar to mine, right? 
You didn't get out of bed, and I told you once already, the mattress is being flipped. Now you got to remake the whole bed, right? Flips the mattress. All of a sudden, the kid's up, getting ready, and wants to go to school, right? You understood. But now, the problem is, is now you only had anger and kind of resent for the police department. So I want to tell you that discipline is not going to get done for our kids by the schools or the, or the police, and especially not your youth pastor, especially not that. This is a God-given command and a responsibility that we have to uphold as parents. Our kids, they want it, they need it, and moms, you guys are you're good at it. Number six, nurture. Just the word nurture brings thoughts of mom, right? I mean, when we talk about that word, it doesn't exactly bring up thoughts of, of dad. I'm, I'm sorry, but Moms are commanded to and built to provide a nurturing environment. And that's done through constant verbal support, through creating space for freedom to fail, acceptance, affection, and unconditional love. These are all things that make up that nurturing atmosphere. I mean, I, can, I, can, I can't tell you how many times I watch my brothers fail, and then my mom celebrate the heck out of them like they were some Olympic gold medalists, Right? But thinking about it now, looking back on it, I see that this is one of those commands of God that's giving, this is one of those commands of God that's, that's giving moms a way to demonstrate to the ones that we love what God does for us on a daily basis. And if you look at it from the outside in, it, it's, this is exactly the way God treats us. God supports us. He, he calls us to do His work knowing full well that we're going to fail, that we're going to fall right on our faces at times. But he calls us anyways, and he's there to pick us up, dust us off, and send us out again, right? He's creating that nurturing environment for us, too, when we're out doing ministry. Ephesians four twenty nine through 32 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Translation, well, obviously this was written to the church in Ephesus, but it applies to how we raise our kids, too, because it's talking about how we should treat others and talk to others. So when your kid fails, you don't say, hey, dummy, what are you doing, right? You're terrible. Or as my grandpa used to say, what are you doing, knothead, right? These words are not going to encourage them. The passage goes on to say, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you're his dear children, live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So moms, continue to allow room for this scripture to soak into your homes in the way that you parent and the environments that you're creating for your kids and the kids that he has entrusted you to his care, to your care. It makes a huge difference. And it's a piece that doesn't come hardwired in us guys, okay? I'm learning this right now. We, we have to learn these things from you. We have to learn how, what, what does this nurturing relationship look like? How does, what does this nurturing home kind of look like? And then even, even then, ladies, you, you just have to know, we're just going to put them into practice in our own weird guy ways. That just it seems to be the way it is. We, we're not going to imitate what you guys can do. We can't do what you can do. But we are trying our best. The last one is model with integrity the life of a Christian woman. Model with integrity the life of a Christian woman. Living what you say 
being a model from which a child can learn by watching what it means to live a life that reflects Christ is so important to a child. It teaches a kid how to act. It gives them something to compare and contrast with. It's something that our young men can look to and say, I know what a godly woman looks like because my mom modeled it for me. It's something that our young ladies can look to and say, that's the example of what a godly mother and a bride looks like. It creates a cycle of strong parenting based on the model set before them generations ago. And we just saw a great example of that earlier in the service. And I think that that's something that we do well here at TCC. But I just just want you to know that there are little eyes on you at all times. And you're marking out a path with your actions. Proverbs teaches us about this. Proverbs 10.9, people with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. And invite the worship team up. Um, so mothers, continue to, to glean from scriptures for raising up your children and the children entrusted to your care. Continue to press into and acknowledge the special skills that God has hardwired into you as a mother. And thank you for setting in place a straight path with a strong biblical foundation that points all of us towards Christ. Let's really make all of the women in our lives feel love, feel the love of Christ today. Let's make a, make a point to do that as we leave today. We're going to sing one last song together. And I really want to encourage all of you to, to look around the room. Take a minute and look around the room. This is, there is lots of, of family here, but there's also just a lot of time spent with each other, which means that there's a lot of opportunities that you've given people to speak into your life. So you've given people an opportunity to really help you, right? There's lots of women in the room who have helped you out in one way or another who, or who have just been a, a great example for you. I know for me growing up in, in my church, there were so many ladies and so many couples that, that I looked up to and said, hey, that, that's the type of, of marriage that I want. That, that's, that's a person who has modeled what, what, a, what a godly mom is. And I, and I didn't get the opportunity to tell them, thank you for doing that. And so what I, what I want to do is while we're singing this last song, is I would love for, for us to, to get up and to go and find that person, if it, even if it's just your mom only to do that, but let them know what, what, are, what are the things that, that are exemplified in, in the message today that, that you've seen, that, they, that they're just like, man, that, that is so, so spot on of that person. I'm so thankful for that person. And let them know, and then let's continue to worship today. Would you stand and do that with me now? Would you stand and go and find those ladies in the room who have been that for you? Let's worship. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.